Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. You almost lost your life just now, didn't you? (laughs) I'm hoping someday when I grow up, I'll be your height. It's not going to happen, is it? Not going to happen. Good morning, everyone. Everybody good? Smile at me real big. Beautiful, beautiful. Look at your neighbor and say, you are good looking. And mean it. You got to mean it. You can't lie. It's church to preach a message on sin and lying. Amen. You know, we were, um, we were singing. Worship was just powerful. I don't know about you guys, but I love worship. I, I can just keep going and worship. I, I love our presence nights. I, I just love to be in his presence and worship and but we sing that song, you know, uh, about revival. I've, 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 I've sung about revival for a long, long time. We've contended. Candy and I have, have fought for the presence of God to, pre, to be the preeminent thing in our services for, for 25 years. And when we say, you know, pour out on us, I've often thought what would happen if all of a sudden all of heaven opened up over us and the power of God just invaded our space in this building that we're currently in, what would happen in that moment? And I can't tell you exactly what would happen, but I can tell you this. It would not look like anything we've ever seen before. It would probably mess up most of us in this room in one way or another. Either, either we would be so freaked out by what we're seeing around us or it would draw us in so close to the heartbeat of God that we would never, ever be content with what we've experienced in the past. We'd always want the more of God. And I can tell you something, even, even uh, part of the message today is a little bit of our story, but I can tell you this without going into detail, that once, once you've crossed over into something, you've encountered God in a particular way, you can never go back to the way it used to be. Never. And if you do go back, I would suggest to you that if you try to go back to the way it used to be, it ends up becoming more of a religious performance thing and routine rather than intimacy and relationship with God. Now, I know about you, where I'm in my life, I don't know how many years I've got left on this planet, but I can tell you this, until Jesus says, come home, until he says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you, your assignment's over, I'm going to bring you home, until that day, my heart my wife's heart, I believe the heart of our pastors, of our staff, of this church, is for us to pursue revival, to pursue revival and his presence at all costs. And you know what that might mean? That might mean that we offend some people in the process. That might mean we offend some religious people that don't like the fact that Holy Spirit has showed up and he's doing what he wants to do because we've given him permission to do so. See, he's not going to operate in our life if we don't give him permission. And and the truth is, uh, I think the Western church is pretty controlling. I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend us. But the truth is, I think think the church in America is pretty controlling. That we, we tell God, you have to operate in this box. And once he begins to break out of the box, we become offended. And then we begin to point fingers. And then we begin to try and argue doctrine and theology. When all the Holy Spirit is trying to do is break in and break out into our lives. 
So I don't know how about you, but I'm, my prayer for you this morning is if I can articulate this message in a, in a way that makes sense, that by the end of the service, you're not the same. And that you cross over into a new place that you never want to go back to what it once was. How about that? I just scared some of you to death, like, oh, no, I like my life. Don't mess it up. How many you know we've been in a series called Even Greater? Even Greater, right? It's been fun. It's been fun. What a great New Year series to start, talking about the greater things, right? John chapter 14, we're going to jump right into it. Verse 12 has been the passage that we have, we have jumped from and, and led from. It says these words, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me as Savior will also do the things that I do. How many like to do things like Jesus? That's a pretty cool thing. And he will do even greater things. How many of you like to do even greater things? Amen. Amen. Even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. I pray, Holy Spirit, for your help this morning. Amen. How about that for a quick prayer? <laughs> Pastor Josh has been preaching the last few weeks, three weeks, on this talk, topic of even greater things. I don't know about you, but I think he's been on fire. I think he's been bringing the heat, man. And I don't know how many of you have been challenged by it, but I think the first message he preached on even greater, uh, greater uh, uh, hunger is one that shouldn't be preached once in a while. It ought to be something we contend for all the time. Because without hunger, the Bible says, he who hungers and thirsts for what? Righteousness, which I interpret as right living, he shall be filled. How many want to live right for God? I do. How many want his righteousness to flow from us, right? So the world around us knows uh, what we believe, who we are. No question, righteousness is right living, right decisions. And I believe that God wants to fill us with that. But we talked about hunger. We talked about uh, even greater family dynamics. I'll tell you something. If we can't build a church on the premise of true family, we should just give up. Seriously, when you read this word, it is Father God, Son, Holy Spirit. There's a pattern in the scripture that teaches us what family looks like. In the, the world that we live in, the sad thing is, the world that we're living in has no clue what true family looks like. We have to demonstrate that. Now, we're not talking about, we're not preaching family. We've already done that. I'm just saying I really agree that we need to be even greater in our pursuit of family. And then last week, Pastor Josh talked about even greater what? Oh, look at you guys. Even greater love. Very cool. They remember Pastor Josh. That's very cool. All three of you remember. Nicely done. Nicely done. I think we agree that if we don't increase our capacity to love and I'm going to say it this way, to love the outsider, to love your neighbor as yourself, we're going to struggle as a church to be an influence in culture. Now, I'm going to say that I thought about it last week, and, and I don't think Pastor Josh would mind me adding this, but, you know, for me, you know who my neighbor is? It can be my neighbor next door, definitely, literally my neighbor, and it is. But for me, but for me, my neighbor, my, the person I would struggle would be the person that I least like. It's the person that I would avoid going across the street to. And I'm not saying this is true or not true. I'm just saying, for me, it might be the person that's offended me. Or it could be a person for you. It could be a person of color. It could be a person that is, um, 
has, has spoken evil of, of your family. It could be that person, you know, that is struggling their sexual identity, right? That, to me, is our neighbor. So if we can learn to love that person, increase our capacity to love the person that is so unlike us, that, that misfit, that outsider, that outcast, I think we are becoming a reflection of what Jesus' word teaches about loving others as we love ourselves. Amen? Now let's jump into this one. Even greater expectations. Even greater expectations. I'm excited to teach this because I believe that um, over our journey, some 30, we've been married uh, 36 years, so three decades of ministry. Yeah, you can applaud that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, she's had to pray a lot. That's all there is to it. A lot of grace. A lot of grace. Mercy. But we've believed God for decades to see a move of God wherever we've been pastored. We're 20 years in San Diego before we came here to the, the Valley of the Sun. How many know San Diego is an ugly place? You never want to visit there. Weather's horrible. Don't visit. I lied. It's beautiful. It's awesome. But um, we, we dreamt for, for, for 20 plus years in our church there in the San Diego region for a move of God. And to be quite honest with you, we, um, we experienced a lot of heartache in that pursuit. We took a church that had been around for many, many years, and, uh, you know, after a year of being their pastors, uh, they decided they didn't want us to be their pastors anymore. And much of the reason for that was not so much because they didn't like us, although I think they kind of liked us, but yet they didn't like the fact that we were people that really believed that God wanted to move in our midst and that we weren't about denomination, even though we were a denominational church. We weren't simply about just gathering for the sake of gathering. We wanted his presence to be predominant in our city. We wanted to be preeminent in everything we did. And God began to move. And there was a religious spirit that kind of rose up. It's weird how people that have been in church all their lives can be offended when God begins to move. It makes no sense. They were ticked off with us because the prophetic began to happen and people were getting healed and people were getting saved. And you're like, that's what the scripture teaches. Why would you be offended by that? Because, I mentioned it a moment ago, what happens is we move into a place of complacency and we begin to move more religiously than we do relationally. See, God wants us to stay relationally intact, not transactional. Transactional. We do transactional stuff, but it has to start with the vertical before the horizontal. Does that make sense to you? So, so, so I know that's not banner church, but I'm just giving you a little context that we, we have believed for years that God wants to raise up his church in signs and wonders and miracles. He's not waiting for the professionals to do it because that's been the problem in some fashion over the years is we waited for the preachers, we waited for the pastors, the superstars to rise up and do all the stuff, do all the healing, do all the prophesying, build the church, grow the church. It's all on the pastor. I have news for you. That's not biblical. And Pastor Josh, I know, and our, you know you would agree with me. That's not biblical. What's biblical is when we begin to understand that God wants to raise up his sons and daughters, which is who you are, and begin to speak to you and say to you, I want to use you in a way that you've never dreamt or believed you could be used. Now, let me stop and pause for a moment. I wrote this down before I came up. I, I believe that there's some people here this morning that in your heart and in your mind, you're convinced 
that God will never use you because of your past or because of a, a sense of a lack of understanding your identity as a child of God. I want to call it out right now and just tell you right now, it's a lie from the devil himself. He's a thief. John 10, 10 says the thief comes to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. And when he destroys your ability to, to receive what the Father wants to impart and not just receive it, but then to give it away, we've lost touch with the truth of what he's trying to tell us in the scripture. That there's no one here that God will not or does not want to use. Period. And I believe if we really, really take this as far as I think it can go, there, there's not a person in here who has Christ as their Lord and Savior inside of them that can't speak to the deaf person and say, in Jesus Christ's name, be made whole here now. now I'm, wearing, I'm wearing ear devices, so I'm ready for that healing right now. Right? But at the same time, I, I've, we've seen, and I'm, you know, I'm going to get to the message in just a second, but we've seen some really cool things. We've seen, I remember w one time in a service, um, we had a guy in the balcony, and his name was Dan, I believe, and Dan had cut part of his finger off in a, in a, in a, in a, in a saw accident. I don't know if it was a skill saw, or I forget what kind of a saw it was. It wasn't a chainsaw, but it was like a skill saw. And uh, it and we prayed for it, and I kid you not, part of his, his, his finger grew back. It didn't, now, the, the, the nail didn't grow back. I don't know why, but here's what I want you to hear. I don't care how much it goes back. I'll take 50%, 60%, 70% healing. I'll take any healing and give God praise for it, right? Just get excited about the healing. And if his fingernail never came back, cool. He never, never has to trim it. Am I the only one that gets tired of trimming my nails? I hate trimming my nails. How about your toes? Whole other story. We won't go there. We won't talk about toes. God wants to move. And the only thing that holds him back isn't his willingness or his spirit that's hovering and moving in our midst. It's us. So this morning, we're going to get to it. I believe that God wants even greater expectations. And most of this message is going to be about talking about supernaturally moving naturally in your life. It doesn't have to be worked up. You don't have to speak in tongues for an hour before he uses you. You don't have to get worked up in worship for him to use you. I've seen it all. I've seen, I've, we've been in three-hour worship services. You think three songs and you go home is enough? I, we've been in service, we worship all 24 hours. We've done, we did, we did a, a worship thing uh, three consecutive nights in a row, 24-7 for three days. We had different teams come in. And our, our belief was that if you take a building like this and you, you do Davidic worship for three days, you set an atmosphere over your city that changes the city and the atmosphere. I believe it because worship changes things, right? All that to say is that um, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. So let's, it, it was really good, whatever it was. <laughs> it was deep. It was deep rev. I'm telling Revel, it was going deep. So deep I can't remember where it was. But anyway. We're talking about greater, even greater expectations. How many want God to use you in greater capacity? Anybody here? Who doesn't? No, don't raise your hand. Don't do that. Yeah, that was a trick question. Have you ever heard this phrase, blessed is he who expects nothing, for he shall never be disappointed? Think about it. In, as, a, as, as a Christ follower, if you never 
expect God to do something, you'll never be disappointed when he doesn't do it. Wow. Does that make sense? See, it's, 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 it's contextually opposite for his sons and daughters. We are to live with expectation that God's word that lives inside of us is to be manifest and demonstrated to a world that needs to know Jesus. And the only thing stopping them from an encounter with God sometime is us. He wants to use you in the marketplace, the public square, the church, wherever you go. He wants to use you. So here's the question. We jump into this. Here's the question. Do you live with an expectation that at any moment God can do a miracle for you, through you, for someone else? Let me say it differently. Do you believe that God wants to use you at any moment to, to, to demonstrate a miracle for your own personal life and or someone else that you know? I've heard it said, thank you. I've heard it said that my availability gives God an opportunity to do a miracle. A miracle will not flow through us necessarily unless we give God the opportunity to use us. And too often I think fear and disappointment with God, maybe hurt, maybe relational context in church life, don't raise your hand. I will raise it for you. I have been hurt so many times in church, I can't count it on, my, on my hands and my toes. It's just the nature of the dynamic of relationship. We've been betrayed. We've been, and the story could go on. But listen to me. Because that's happened in our lives, it has not kept us from trying to stay as gentle and as, as tender as possible so that God can use us when he asks us to do something. Honestly, Phoenix was not on our radar. I don't know that we really wanted to go to Phoenix. But because we have followed God for so long, our willingness, our availability was, God, we're leaving a church after 20 years. Where's our next assignment? And our first assignment was in, in Arizona. wasn't here. It was on the west side, the West Valley. But we ended up here at Banner Church, and we believe this is our assignment to be with you guys, to, to believe God for a move of, of, his, of his spirit through a generations, right? I love it that, that, that we are, uh, uh, I am seasoned in my life, I'll put it that way, and I love that because I'm telling you something, we live with an understanding that God promised us things that have yet to come to pass. So we're gonna keep fighting, we're gonna keep warring, we're gonna keep worshiping, we're gonna keep believing until we see it come to pass. And I'm not gonna let a generation younger than me out worship me. I'm just not. I mean, I, I don't have the same energy I used to have, but I'm gonna do what I can. And maybe I get old enough, all I can do is just like, I don't know, I don't know. But I... If that's all that moves is my feet, I'll move my feet. But I'm, I'm going to keep declaring and keep believing God for the greater things in my life because I want to be available for signs and wonders to operate in my life. How about you? Colossians chapter 2.14 says this. It says, By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Here's what I want you to understand, is that sometimes we think that there's something uh, in between us and God that keeps us from being used by God. 
the fact remains when you read this passage in the scriptures that, that what he did for us on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, nothing, listen to me, nothing stands in the way of our belief that God wants to work through you to see the advancement of his kingdom and a demonstration of power. It's, it's not enough just to get saved. We don't need cr cute Christians any longer. We need messy Christians. And if you don't know what I mean by that, I mean, it's, it's one thing to come to Christ and, and walk with Jesus and go, I get to go to heaven. It's another thing when you begin to truly believe what the Bible teaches and live it. It gets messy. I can tell you stories that there were times when people would come to me as the pastor and go, somebody would come to church and they would come down the aisle and the altars were packed and this guy would come up and says, I'm a prophet and I'm gonna, I have a word for the church and I would say to him, I don't know you, you don't have a word for my church because we have no relationship with you. And, and it gets messy because they leave, they're offended, they go to other people, that church, blah, 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 right? Well, I'm going to protect my church family, first and foremost. If I knew the person and trusted the person, I'd have said, come on up and give us a word, encourage us, exhort us, edify us with the word, right? That's what the prophetic does. But if I don't, I'm going to protect my family. It gets messy when you let God begin to move, but that's okay because he died and, and rose again, resurrection life. Why? So we have the ability and the, and the, and the power, the, the dunamis of God, the dynamite of God to do what he's called us to do. That's to change the world. You guys okay? Even if you're not, we're still going. Okay, here we go. Let, let, me, let me take you to some context for what I think um, it looks like. So a long time ago, there was this, this, this huge river where two, about two million people stood in great awe and expectation that they were about to cross over into the prophetic destiny. They are the wandering Jewish mass of humanity who were promised by God a land that was full of everything they needed to flourish as a people. They saw coffee shops on every corner, kind of like here. I mean, honestly, if there was a dream job and a dream building, I found it. I've got Starbucks. I got, I got, uh, what's the, yeah, Sip. I've got Echo. I've got every, what's the other one now, eight? That one too. Yeah, it's all I can remember is a number. I mean, they're everywhere, right? And it costs a fortune. So we have no money because we spend some money on the perfect environment for me to live in. But they crossed it. They could see it was a perfect place for them to, to cross over into. It had been promised. Everything was in great supply. In every direction they looked, they could see it. it, was in it. The only obstacle was that they had to cross over into their future. There was this mass river in front of them that they had to cross over to get there. I may mean, you know two million people plus crossing a river is no easy chore. Their promised inheritance was right there in front of them. See, the generation before them that left the borders of bondage in Egypt and ventured into the wilderness with only great expectations, hope that their promised inheritance of a land flowing with milk and honey would be theirs to explore. The problem with that first generation that left Egypt is their eyes got dim, their hope languished in self-pity, and the generation prior to the one standing on the shore never entered into their promise. I wonder how many of us never enter into our promises, but we stand in a place of lethargy, hurt, disappointment. God, you promised this, but I've never seen it happen yet. You said you would heal this person, but I've yet to see the healing. And we begin to pull back, and we begin to look at our inheritance and think, I don't really know if it's for me or not. 
We might not say it, but we think it and we feel it. And sometimes it manifests through relationships. People hear the toxicity in our, our language and how we live our lives. My belief is that the expectations for the greater things must be nurtured and pursued with daily abandonment to my desires, but to the desires of the Father. Father, what do you want me to do today? Father, who can I pray for today? Father, how can my life make a difference? Father, I know I'm making a, I'm making a living at this job I'm in, and it, you know, it's, it's, it's provided for my family. I thank you for my vocation. But God, what is it you put inside of me that you want me to release today? What is it that's my passion and, and my purpose in this life? See, they're, they're, they're different. Sometimes they're the same, but they're, most of the time they're different. God is, is calling us into a different place. He's saying, I want to use you, but you've got to be aware of my moving and my speaking. So even greater expectations will not just pop up on your MacBook Pro, monitor it, and easily be easily experienced. Life gets in the way. Contentment becomes our mantra. It's, it is interesting to note that there were 12 tribes that came to the shore. Ten of the tribes went across. Two decided to stay back. And I sometimes think that the church, not Banner, but the church, maybe in, in America, is a little bit like those two tribes. Yet they're, they're looking across. They, they, they like what they see. Um, and, and, but, they, but they're choosing not to cross over. Why? They like the farm they're in. They like the farmhouse. They like the crops are good. The homes are awesome. It, it's a good gig. Why would we leave here to cross a, a river that's rushing pretty, pretty, the volume is pretty, it's, it's going, it's rushing hard. And, the, and go, that's not going to be easy for us to, to cross over. And it's a long ways over there. And there's no guarantee that we get over there. And so all of a sudden now they've justified in their mind why they don't want to cross over. Here's what I think happens. It would take risk, it would take faith, and a profound expectation in the greater reality of a better land for them to forsake their good life for a better one. I'm here to tell you this morning, there's a better life for every single one of us in the kingdom of God. What we've had is good. What we have is good, right? But there's better. There's more. And the Lord is asking for our hearts. He's saying, will you expect more of me? Will you expect more in your hungry? Will you expect more in the manifestation of my, my, my life inside of you like a river that comes out and it, it touches anyone that comes in contact with it? They weren't necessarily hungry for the more. So let's, let's quickly define expectations. Expectations, a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. A strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. I think expectations sounds an awful lot like faith. Don't you? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith defined. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. There's the problem, the tension, is I don't see God, but I have a belief in God. I don't see Jesus, but I believe Jesus is real and died for me, right? I don't see Holy Spirit floating around like some ghost, right? But I know he's evident because he's in your life and you can see it right 
expectation as a belief or a hope that what has been promised will come to pass, even if we do not see it or experience it. And that's a tension that I think we can all be honest with. Maybe that's why it's easier for certain denominations or, or Christians to believe in a Bible where supernatural experiences ceased when the disciples died. We're told that there is no longer any need for healings or miracles because we have all that we now need in the scriptures to lead one to eternal life and to live a life of significance. Not untrue. I agree with that statement, wouldn't you? But, but, I believe there's more. I believe there's way more. Because we are supernatural beings. As a Christ follower, we receive the kingdom of God inside of us at salvation. Then I must believe, if that's true, I must believe that the book of Acts is for us today and that we too can live the supernatural life that's exemplified in Christ and his followers. Let's, let's begin here. Let me jump into a couple of real practicals. So, even greater expectations, the first thing I want to say, even greater expectations is found in our waiting. This is why I think a lot of us struggle to see God, to hear God, and to, to allow Him to use us. It's because we struggle with the waiting. I don't like to wait. I don't like it. I absolutely do not like to wait. I am not patient in my waiting. I don't like it. But the fact remains, if you don't get quiet before God, if you don't get to a place where you can expect an answer, expect his voice to speak, then we're not going to be the people he's called us to be. Because, see, I know you can read his word and you can get his word inside of you and it washes you clean and keeps you clean and gives you a trajectory in which to live your life. That's a right-on statement, and it's truth. But we also need to hear his voice because he's always speaking. I've had so many debates and discussions about that. Well, how can he talk all the time? Because he's God. The airwaves are full of God. He's, there's all, all you do is try to tap into what he's saying and what he's trying to speak to us. But the problem is sometimes we can't get quiet. In, the, in Psalms 5, 3, Lord, in the morning you will hear me. In the morning, I will present my case to you and then wait expectantly for an answer. Once again, I don't like mornings, but he'll take an afternoon or an evening as well. I, I believe that. Growing in greater expectation will require more time waiting. Hungering for more of his presence in our lives requires waiting in his presence and learning to hear his voice. At some point in the very near future, we're going we're gonna to do uh, training in the prophetic, and really what the prophetic is is learning how to hear the voice of God. That's really, that's really what it is. John 10, 14 says this, when he has brought all his own sheep outside, he walks on ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice and recognize his call. Listen to me. We have, we, have, we have to figure out a way in our journey to get quiet, to listen to God's voice so he can direct us in the path that he's called us to. If we're going to be a light in the midst of darkness, if we're going to impact culture outside the walls of a building, then it's my conviction we've got to hear what he's saying to us. 
Because when the world is asking for answers, we have supernatural answers for them. Why, why can't we be the ones, as Christ followers, that God deposits an idea into your spirit that can revolutionize the auto industry or the medical field? I'm just asking, why not you? Why can God not do that for you? Because you don't believe he can. Well, why would he use me? Because you love him. Why would he use me? Because you love him. Hope you're catching that. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. For those who wait for the Lord's help find renewed strength. They rise up as they had at eagle's wings. They will run without growing weary. They walk without getting tired. In our waiting, we can expect hope that our strength will be renewed and we can continue to believe in the promises of God to be fulfilled. Even when we're not seeing the results we were praying for. So many times we want to give up. So many times we're like, I'm sick of this. I don't want to be a pastor anymore. I don't want to keep praying for signs and wonders. I'm tired of people being mad at us. I'm tired of people leaving the church. I'm tired of people getting upset because someone, you know, we prayed for someone, they fell on the ground, and we had this theological debate. Well, is it in the Bible? Blah, blah, blah. I'm tired of it. Why? Because it's not really relevant to whether or not that person got up changed. We'll leave that there. Next thing I want you to hear is that even greater expectations for what is coming. For what is coming. Luke 3.15, as the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. Listen to this. They stood with great expectation and suspense at the coming of what they thought was the Messiah. Although it was, it was John, they were anticipating the Messiah. There was great expectation, and even some translations would suggest that they were on their tiptoes in anticipation, expectation that the Messiah might be coming. Listen, growing up in the church, it was always the big thing that Jesus is coming back, get ready, it's tomorrow, it's next week, and we lived in constant fear that the rapture of the church was going to come and that I wasn't going to make it. I just knew I wasn't going to make it. So much so that there would be times when I was a little guy, enough to know whether I was a Christian or not, I would, I would be by myself, mom and dad were out with friends or whatever, and, and uh, something would happen watching TV or I'd hear a sound, freak me out, think the rapture had happened, I'd been left behind, I'd get on the phone, I'd call someone I know is going to be make, make it in the rapture and go to heaven. i dial the number, they answer, i go, oh, praise God. I wasn't left behind, right? Somewhere between that in the 70s and where we are today, we've lost a little bit of that expectation of the return of Jesus. Listen to me very closely. He is going to come back whether you believe it or not. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It might be next month. It could be 100 years. I don't really care when he comes back. That's where I've kind of landed my my eschatology, I don't really care when he comes back. Because until he does, I have an assignment. And I'm going to live that assignment. And if he comes back before it's over, awesome, let's go. Let's practice some rapper drills. Right? Let's go. I'm ready. Right? Right? 
But until that day, we all have something to do, and that's to bring his kingdom to this earth and let people know how good he is and how kind he is. I'm going to jump to the third one. That third one, even greater expectations, and this is where we've been touching on a little bit, but I'm just going to clarify it, and then we can go home. Even greater expectations of living supernatural naturally. Living supernaturally does not require you change your persona, your personality, your temperament. God's put all those things inside of you for a reason. Some are mellow, some are hyper, some type A, some type Z. I don't know what that is, but we, we're all these different personalities because he made us this way. We're supposed to be diverse and different. And what you carry, I don't carry. What I carry, you don't carry. But together we carry something that can make a difference in the world. And I believe God wants to teach us how to be supernatural every day of our life without it being weird and funky. See, while living in the space of waiting in the secret place of God's presence, faith increases as does our expectation for God to move supernaturally, naturally in our lives. And so why is it important we increase our capacity to expect God to move supernaturally? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. Isn't that great? He has not moved. He has not turned his back on you. He's not sitting in heaven next to his father, perplexed on what his next move is going to be. No, no, he's waiting on his children, us, to act on what they've received in their waiting. God wants to co-labor with us to reveal his kingdom here on earth. He wants to co-labor with us. I'll say it again. He wants to co-labor with us. Some of you still don't believe it. John 1.10 indicates that he was in the world but the world did not recognize him. Not weird, but it's not weird because our culture today has eyes that have been restrained, right? You guys all know people that can't see what you see as it relates to Jesus. They don't understand it. They don't get it. They don't understand why you can, you can love a God that you can't see. They'd rather rub some old belly of a Buddha, you know, like, hey, if I rub it hard enough, maybe God, will, you know, he'll speak. He's never gonna speak, he's dead. He's a dead statue. Stop rubbing it. It's weird. I don't know if people do that or not, but it just sounded fun. They cannot see the truth as the evil one has convinced a generation that God is not real. Matter of fact, you know this to be true. There are many ways to God according to the world, and if you differ with that, you become intolerant. When we say that Jesus Christ is the only way to God the Father, they turn and look at us and go, you're so intolerant. How can that be? There's got to be more than one way to know God. And if we're not careful and stay in that holy place with the Father, we can do a slow fade. And pretty soon the church begins to look and act a lot like the world in which we live. We can never allow that to be the case. It's going to require a church. It's going to require people that are willing to take a stand for righteousness sake. And the only way we'll be strong enough is that we get back to that place called waiting on God and be in a secret place with him and spend time with him and get to know him and to know his voice. So when he speaks, it speaks truth. And there's only one truth. There's only one way to God the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ, the Son. Don't ever believe anything else than that. That's good preaching right there, I'll tell you. I like it. Good job, Barry.
let me let me say it this way. There's so many really good things I'd love to share with the family this morning, but I wanna, I'm going to land this plane real quick. Um, I believe the world around us every day is just waiting for someone to demonstrate a God kind of encounter. Every day. To believe for signs and wonders. You know, what's a sign and a wonder? One time we were in service in Las Vegas, great church we were part of, and atmosphere was just nuts, just pregnant with God's presence, just it was out of control. And um, you can believe this if you want to, but we know it's fact. Like, you don't have to believe that a finger grew out. You don't have to believe the legs grew out. That's fine. That's between you and God. But there was this, this sign that made you wonder in the, in, the, in the building. There was literally on the stage, right where the worship leader was, there was a physical rain that was falling. And um, the, the maintenance crew, a bunch of people went up in the, in the, in the, um, the attic, the rafters, it was metal beams, and there was nothing up there. There was no air conditioning. There was nothing there that could possibly have led to this, this rain that was coming down supernaturally. And all we can say to you is somebody would say, well, what's the purpose of that? I, I, I don't know God's mind and his heart sometimes. Neither do you. But it's a sign that makes you wonder. You go, that's really cool. Because the evil one does stuff all the time and nobody blinks an eye. But when God performs an amazing thing, we question it. We watched online. Our son was there to validate it. They all would walk around the stage and they'd walk through it. They could physically feel it, but they weren't wet. See, we serve a supernatural God. You don't have to believe it. I'm just telling you that there are things that are super abundantly beyond your wildest imagination that he wants to do in your life. And I'm looking forward to seeing the stories that are going to come out of Banner. When you really begin to believe as a son and a daughter, God wants to use you in greater things. <laughs> How do we stay in a posture of expectation. I'm going to say it very simple. Hebrews 12, uh, let me make sure, right? Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And I'll just give you the verse 2, first part of it. Look to Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep your gaze on the person of Jesus. G-A-Z-Y. Keep your eyes on him. Don't look left. Don't look right. Don't look behind you. Don't look at what everyone else is doing. Look behind and go, ah, you know, my past is, is, is an anchor. No. When Jesus came in your life, he cut the anchor. There's no weight. Remember I told you a minute ago, there's nothing between you and God that keeps you from moving forward with his purposes in your life. I'm suggesting strongly this morning that as a, a person of royalty, we are joint heirs with Jesus. We are sons and daughters of the king. That makes us royal. And because we're royalty, we have an inheritance. And God wants you to spend that inheritance while you're on earth because you don't need an inheritance in heaven. There's no sickness, there's no disease, there's, no, there's, there's none of that stuff in heaven. There's no disappointment, thank God there's no miscarriages, there's no stuff, because why? Heaven's a perfect place, but God's given us the ability to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and all the resources of heaven has been made available for us to pull down here to earth. It's yours for the asking. Greater expectations in living supernaturally natural. Stay close to God. Stay close. I'm going to end with this. Um, 
Pastor Josh, would you come, please? Over, over many years, we, we have become, uh, maybe not since COVID so much, unfortunately, but COVID messed up a lot of things. But prior to COVID, um, it was our belief that when we were in a place where we sensed the anointing of the speaker, of the person that was there, when we sensed that, we wanted more of it. And we would, in some way or another, we would make our way to that speaker and we'd say, will you lay hands on me? I want what you have. You, you have passion. I want more passion. You seem to be able to pray for the sick and they recover. I want to, I want to pray for more people to see them recover. You, you seem to have an ability to pray for, for, for them, for people, and they're delivered from demonic influence. I want that power. I, want to, I know it's in me, but I want more of it. Lay hands on me. Give me everything you got. Impart whatever it is. I know, I know Jesus, Holy Spirit, is the one that gives the gifts, but I, I want stirred up in me with someone that's practicing what I'm believing for. Does that make sense? And so as we talk this morning about even greater expectations, my expectation for us as a church is that we would never relent in our pursuit of seeing God do everything he promised in his scriptures, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't happen, even when there's disappointment, even when there's things that want to disrupt our pursuit of God and our intimacy with him. I pray that we would be like that bulldog that when they bite down, their jaw locks in and they won't let go. I pray we'd be that way spiritually. We'd bite down the promises of God and we would not relent, we would not let go, we would not give up because God has promised us whether this side or the other side, we're gonna see him face to face and he's going to do what he promised. So I'm gonna ask you a question. Um, trying to think of how I... Okay, here you go. Everybody looking around. Everybody's heads up. Nobody's closing their eyes. Because I have this, this belief that we do that sometimes. It's, it's appropriate times. But we're talking, about, we're talking about power. We're talking about courage. We're talking about living supernaturally and leaving a building and going, I've got superpowers. I've got Holy Spirit in me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I could take the pinky in the brain, baby. I could take over the world. Anybody remember pinky in the brain? That's my favorite. I'm going to ask you this question, and I'm going to ask you to respond, okay? If you're here this morning, and you're like, I really want to move in, in greater things. I really want to grow in my expectation of living supernaturally naturally. I want, I want God to use me in my workplace, in the marketplace, in the public square, in my neighborhood, with my family, in my home, in my neighborhood, wherever I am, I want God to use me. If that's you this morning, would you stand up? I just want you to stand up. I was gonna have you, just stand up. And this is a good one where peer pressure really does a good thing. It, it works really well. Okay, just look around. Everybody's standing. Okay? Now listen to me. I'm not questioning anyone's sincerity at all. But if we believe that God is, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to prophesy this, because I said in the first service, and I'm going to say it in a second. I believe with all my heart that God is, is going to do something 
through Banner Church in the year to come. This year is transitional for us. We know we're moving out of here, and God's going to give us an epicenter, a place where we can do what God's called us to do, but I believe that's just the beginning. I believe God's going to begin to raise up sons and daughters in this house. Some of you millennials, I believe God's going to use, there's a revival right now in America with millennials that God's beginning to raise them up, and they're beginning to take places in government. They're taking places in the marketplace. They're taking place, seats in high places where their influence for Jesus is increasing exponentially, and I believe we're we're not going to be left out of that. I want, we want our portion of God's move here in the Valley of the Sun called Arizona, Phoenix. And if you believe that, you want God to use you to bring revival, to bring change, to bring power and presence into the cities in which we live. If you want that, okay, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. First service, we didn't do it. Second, we're going to do it. I want you to come forward. I'm going to lay hands on you, man. We're going to pray for you. We're going to ask God to loose his spirit over you. Get ready because some of you are going to leave different than you came in. Come on, Pastor Josh is going to lead us. Come on, press into it, sing it. More, stir it up inside of you. Stir it up. Declare it out loud with your mouths. I want more of you, Jesus. More, more.
to pray. I want to pray for a couple things real quick, and we'll let you go. I know it's already past noon, but if if you're here in the front this morning, and there's anything in you that's you you live in this realm of of um, disappointment with God, like if you're really honest, you would say, "I'm just disappointed that that God hasn't done what He promised." I I've fought for this. I prayed for this, and I just it just hasn't happened. And I'm disappointed with God. I'm I'm a little bit hurt by Him. See, I want you to understand God's not bothered by your emotions. He's not freaked out going up, like looking down going, I can't believe you're disappointed in me. That's not how he rolls. But he is listening and waiting and willing to embrace you. And I want to pray for you this morning, if that's you. I'm not, I'm not going to ask you. That's a personal thing. I get it. But I'm not going to ask you if you're disappointed. But if you are disappointed with God, would you just right where you are right now and just your own way. You can lift your hands. I don't care what, but just put yourself in a position where you're going to, I'm going to pray for you, but you're going to receive the forgiveness of the Father and you're going to give it to him today. You're not going to pick it back. You're going to give it to him. You can let his feet. You're going to say, Jesus, I give you my disappointment. Forgive me for being disappointed. Forgive me for, for doubting you. I love you and I want this to be a renewed moment in my walk with you. So, Father, thank you for those that are honest this morning with themselves and say, I am disappointed. I am hurt. God, I felt like you let me down when this didn't happen or that didn't happen. And the Lord right now is reaching down his hand, and he's just he's picking you up like a dad does to a daughter or a son, and he's embracing you. He's not even saying anything to you. He's just going to love you and embrace you, and you're going to feel his embrace. You're feeling his acceptance. You're feeling that what you need right now. You need the comfort of Papa. You need the comfort of God right now. So receive it right now in Jesus' name. Disappointment, you must go now in Jesus' name. Hurt, you must go right now in Jesus' name. You have no authority over their lives. Go now in Jesus' name. I want to pray also for those of you that um, you have felt like you're not worthy to be used of God. You feel like your sinful past or maybe even some sin in your life right now disqualifies you from even being used of God. And the Father would say to you this morning that that's not true. That he loves you unconditionally. His, cha- his love is not conditional based on how spiritual you are. You can never be spiritual enough. He died for us. He can, his love for us is as, as broad and as, as long. It's, just, it's beautiful. So just receive it this morning and recognize the Father wants to use you, even in your brokenness, even in your place where you're not perfect because none of us are. In Jesus' name, I pray, be made whole right now. Be made whole in your thinking. Be made whole in your feeling. Be made whole in your understanding that you're a child of God, that he loves you and cares for you deeply and wants to use you. Greater expectations in your intimacy and quietness with him. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.